1064 is the relevant podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, is Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. And also in Nashville, back from the road, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What's happening? Uh, Jamie is home sick. Her kids are sick today. Um, speaking of kids, I have a question. We have a video podcast here. Yeah. Maybe we can get this clip out in the wild so people can see what yeah. we're talking about. Um, Jesse looks like he's ready for his first day of kindergarten. Uh, he got a wow. he got a nice he got a nice little haircut. He's wearing a, a, a nice little short sleeve button down, and he's ready That's for right. his f- first school day of the year picture. Listen. Listen, I think he looks snazzy. It was my kid's picture day today. Wow, it is ironic. You say wow, wow, Both wow. Am I wrong, Derek? Like Derek, am I wrong? You're, you're not, and that's why I keep saying wow. <laughs> <laughs> you look so neat and clean, man. I've never seen you look so good. I mean, below the waist, I'm still in like jeans pants. Please get this clip out to the masses. Hey, they need talk. to see this. Real talk. I was wearing a t-shirt before this recording. I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to class this thing up. No, no I got a haircut this week. Yeah, my hair. Yes, you did. I, 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 because it was getting pretty out of control, um, and uh, I, I still am like in that COVID phase where I just avoid getting haircuts because I'm like, oh, what's the point? Even though we're clearly out of that and back in society. True that. Um, you know, big week down here. I want to look sharp. We got something in the water. The big music festivals kicking off uh, uh, oh. tomorrow, and you know, the everyone's one, looking. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's a good lineup this year. Um, and so, you know, just trying to look sharp, but I'll be honest, I went into like the barber shop and they said, what do you want to do? You know, I mean, it's a pretty standard question. And I just yeah. said, I, my head's your palate. I'm really, I, I don't, mm. I, I'm willing to do whatever. You playing with your life. I'm willing to do whatever. You playing with your life. You do not walk into a, a Supercuts or a Fantastic Sam's and tell them that. That person just got out of barber no, school. Th- they- this, was, this was a barber. This was like like, okay. a, like, a, like a barber shop that, the, you know, okay. the, the, it's, it's a one guy, one man operation. You know, I'm just sitting there and, and I didn't care. I literally, I just said, just do what you think is best. You know, it, it, it's like, I don't tell the dentist what I'm looking for him to do. <laughs> I, you're the pro. You're, and, you. and, and, and now you got the first grade. You got, the first grade. It. You got the first so grade. Understand. What do you want me to do today? Well, yeah. I would like to f- make it look like I'm going to the first day of school. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> he just gets out. And the he nailed flippers. it. He, he nailed it. <laughs> like I said, I don't t- like when I go when if I'm if I'm going uh, uh, to the doctor with a problem, he's not going to tell me. Well, what would you like me to do about it? No, you're the professional. I'm paying you. I'm walking to the barbershop. I don't know, man. I I just I'm I'm over it. I I, I can't. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. This I mean and. Jason, you can cut this if I would get in trouble for saying this, but you look like Ellen DeGeneres right now, bro. Not gonna hush. <laughs> she's very, she's, she's, she's very successful in this industry, and I'll take that as a compliment. you, I, I, I saw a picture the other day of Ellen posing, like standing up and posing in some sort of way, and she looked like Skip Bayless. I like I couldn't Look, tell. I thought it was a Skip Bayless photo, but it was Ellen actually be Ellen having DeGeneres. them cuts. Like Ellen's cuts be crispy. <laughs> Her and uh 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 my man's NBA. Oh my gosh, why is it sleeping with Jalen Rose? Jalen Rose and Ellen DeGeneres be having the craziest line. They be having the coldest lineups on all time for real. Can I be honest? The other thing too is like, what's going to get me in and out of here the quickest? I had places to be that evening, you know, and. <laughs> I just wanted, I just wanted a quick, so quick. So basically he said, what do you want? And you said, whatever takes five minutes. And he said, I got exactly. you. What's going to get me out of here? <laughs> he What's going to get me out of my way? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I got, I got the degenerates coming right out. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> give me, give me that six guard clippers. Get you high and tight and get you on your way. All right. We got uh, hold on. I'm about to sit you uh, Look. Hey, so I ain't hating, but Ellis Cuts do be kind of fire, though. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm just looking right now like, yeah. She has a very distinctive haircut. <laughs> Here, okay. In Jesse's defense, I do the same thing. I also only go in for a haircut maybe once a year, yeah. sometimes twice, if I'm feeling it. And I always just say, cut off the dead ends, and then whatever you think looks good. And for, I feel like my hair looks good. For real, Emily? You look great. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just hair. It grows back. That's what I'm saying. You guys have seen me in the weeks leading up to this. I'm pretty transparent. I, I'm, 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 you know, it was, it was, I, I was looking like a lunatic, you know, like it was, it was all over the place. It, uh, it wasn't clear what was happening, what, what I was even going for. Sometimes you just got to fresh, get a clean slate. Let's start from the top here. There's a total, t- it's like, here, here's my, this is, this is where the haircut situation was real talk. Yeah. It, it was a house flipper who bought a place and was like, no, we're, we're going to reno this thing. We're, and they take up the floorboards and and they see, oh, this is a teardown. This is a teardown and we're just going to have to rebuild from the scratch. <laughs> That's where the haircut situation was. There was no, it's, we got to just bulldoze it, start from the top. I'm sorry. Dude, That's what I happening. used to do that all the time. I used to just grow my hair out to be long, like Scott Stapp Creed length. Yeah. This is early 2000s, yeah. okay? And then I would get so sick of having all that hair, I would just one night just buzz it all off, just yep. shave it all off. And then I'd be like, I'd, I'd be like happy with that for like a week. And I'm like, man, I want, I want hair again. So I just start growing back and I'd grow it out to be super long. And then I get sick of that. So I'm with you on the reset. This is how I know I'm not on a podcast with black people. Because this conversation would never happen amongst (laughs) my friends with hair. Like hair in the, no, I'm saying hair in the black community is like, Uh man, I've seen dudes have the worst confidence in the world get a fly haircut and then they literally go from zero to hero like just you just have to oh my gosh this is crazy that y'all just like i just walked into the barbershop and was like do whatever you have your way with me like this does not happen <laughs> in the black community uh, oh my, my brain Derek, is exploding right now it, but it's I, in a good way though because i'm thinking like are we are we too serious about our hair like because i'm like no but that's great. Look at Jalen Rose, man. That's that's I'm impressive. You, I mean, Jalen Rose said you should be spending four hundred dollars on every haircut. No, he said a minimum one hundred. Four hundred. Minimum one hundred. My bad. Minimum. Yeah, okay, my bad. Yeah. Minimum one hundred dollars on every haircut. That's what he said. Yeah. But he was also talking about going weekly or twice a week, spending a hundred dollars. Because you got to, you know, he keeps it nice and tight and you got to keep it trimmed all the time. Every time he gets it trimmed twice a week, it's a hundred, hundred fifty bucks. That's crazy. Sheesh. I will say this. It is more expensive for women to get their hair done. Like I go in and I just get a trim and it's at least 50 bucks. Like versus y'all go in and get a trim and it's probably like 20, $30. So mm, no, it is anymore. already more expensive and I'm just getting like a basic cut. I also think most normal women care more about their hair than I do. I just have really long hair. So even if I cut six inches, it's still really long. Like it's to my hips. It's just. Wow. It doesn't make that much. Is of it difference. really? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's very long. Yeah, Wait. I need to. It's been like seven months. I need to get it cut. This barbershop had I'll a bowl of candy right on the counter. I got distracted because <laughs> I was planning on. I saw they had a little bit of weight. I was gonna. I was gonna. You know, go through some haircuts. See what's. You know, just pick up. Pick what do you mean go through haircuts? On like on the on the signs on the wall sort of thing, or like no? I was gonna look on. I was gonna. You know, go to IG, find something. Hey, give me this one. I got distracted by the bowl of candy. Um, ended up in some combos with my fellow barbershop people. And by the of time it was did. me in the chair, I, I forgot to look for anything. That's why I said, just do what you need to do. Because I was planning on using the wait time to determine the hairstyle. But gotcha. like I said, it was a chatty room that afternoon. Uh, mm. There was candy in play, free. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I distracted. What do you want me to do? And now you you got your brand that's new crazy. backpack and you're ready for your first day of school. So that's exciting. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We have a great show in store for you today. Uh, joined by Judah and Chelsea Smith. We love them. They've been friends of the show for a long time. Um, excited for that conversation. The interview that uh, Emily had with them went over an hour. You are not going to hear the hour. You're going to hear, what, eight minutes of it. But it's great. In fact, there's so much good stuff. We have plans for the rest of the content. Judah's phenomenal. Also, at the end of the show, we have a we have a game. We have a game. Just stay tuned. It's going to be fun. But right now, Yay. it's slices. <laughs>
You're listening to Arlo Parks. The song is Blades. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? I, I got to be honest. I call the last minute audible on this one. Uh, nice. I was originally going to do one about how Americans care just about uh, just as much about saving the environment as they do about saving money, which I found encouraging. Bull. But then <laughs> I saw it's this part of this. Th- I saw this part of the stat that said 66 of respondents said they'd be willing to try anything to help save the environment. And then they <laughs> went on to say those steps include turning off lights in a room and not letting a runny sink run. I'm like, that's a very low bar, but hey, at least they're considering it. So I, I, I audibled, and don't ask how I ended up on this site, but I ended up on a, for some reason, a flight blog called View from the Wing, okay? And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blog that covers the airline industry. And they, they presented an interesting conundrum that ha- re- happened on a recent Southwest flight that I wanted... This opens up a bigger discussion. Is that this I wanted the baby to- thing? The baby no. screaming? Oh. No, but uh, there, there, there's no shortage of incidents on flights these days. Sure, so sure, they, sure. So you guys know how Southwest flights work. It's different than other airlines because you, you can choose your own seating and, and they line you up in groups. So the woman who was writing into this blog was a, was a Southwest frequent flyer and had some sort of advantage point. So that means she was in the very first group to come onto the plane. Mm-hmm. She really wanted it was and, and, and it had like three rows, three rows with the aisle going down the middle, right? So mm-hmm. each 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 row had uh, a, a window, a middle, and an aisle. She wanted the window. She goes up, finds her seat, sits down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is Southwest. Mm-hmm. Is a free for all. Okay. First come, first serve. Absolutely. Get, things get very mm-hmm. aggressive. Okay. Mm-hmm. She yeah. goes, sits in her seat. All right. Mm-hmm. At, she's sitting there. She's claimed her seat. Another passenger comes in and says, "Hey, I would like that window seat." She, what was in that scenario? You, what, what do you, you know? I don't like the people that bring their knees in and expect for you to kind of like shimmy through. I like the people mm-hmm. that get out, allow you to get to your seat, mm-hmm. and, and and then take your seat back. She gets out of her seat to let the window passenger in. Someone comes in right behind her and snipes whoa, whoa, whoa. the seat. Wait, wait, wait. You said she wanted the window seat. No, she wanted. She was in the aisle. Someone else wanted oh. the window. So Got she's it. sitting in the aisle, right? She's claimed her spot. Someone else comes in and says, I want the window seat. She gets out of the seat to allow the other passenger to get into the window seat. Mm-hmm. Another passenger jumps in and snipes her seat mm-hmm. from her. America. Okay. And, and then she says, hey, I was sitting there and he moved her bag off the seat into the middle seat as well. And he said, I think the middle's still open. <gasps> now, Clown. we've all been, we've been in parking. I've seen this happen in parking lots. Someone pulls out, there's someone waiting and someone zooms in yeah. right behind them, right? Uh-huh. Is this Southwest fault or is this the passenger thought? He's playing, he's technically playing by the rules here. It, 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 it's not dissimilar from no, this. Her bag was in the seat. Her bag was in the seat. Is that and the only thing? There's, right? w- there's witnesses that she was already sitting there. Oh, the, the, it was her the, seat. The witnesses came into play because the window seat person told okay. the flight attendants and they forced the person to leave. I just yeah. think this is indication, an indication of how broken the Southwest system is. I'm sick Southwest. of that cattle call. It, it's, it. it's, it's too intimidating. <laughs> and it's putting these people into this situation. The other thing I wanted to address here. No, that guy is, was just a jerk. But do you, they made him move. Do you think technically he should have moved? Yes. Of course. No Her bag was there, and I think he should. Matter of fact, I think they should have put him in a middle seat. They should have had him in the back. Yes, all the way to the back by the toilet. <laughs> right by. We the don't bathroom. condone this the smelly seat. Yeah, the yeah. one that doesn't recline too. Yes, that, that is yes. up against the wall. Well, let me ask you this because we're on the topic of airplane etiquette because this is something that drives me bananas. Okay, 
I feel like this is an unspoken, unwritten thing, but we need to get pen on paper. If we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're able to have airlines weigh in on a situation like this, right? Mm-hmm. Then they need to weigh on in the situation. I think about every time I exit a plane. Mm-hmm. When you have, when you're exiting a plane, please confirm with me, guys, that the proper exit, the proper etiquette is you don't leave your row until the rows ahead of you have have left. Are any of yes? Please tell me that you guys are with me, that those people who, as soon as the bell rings and are in the back of the plane that sprint ahead of everybody or are cutting ahead, please tell me that they're in the wrong. Do you guys agree with me there? Unless uh, unless it's a tight connection. If it's, a tight, it, if it's a tight connection. That's right. They have an obligation. If you're in the wrong lane at an intersection and you need to get over, you kind of make eye contact with that car to the left of you and say, can I get in? I'm so sorry. You, got, you motion. Will you let me in front of you? Right. The people with the tight connections in the back need to make it known. Hey, okay. I, I, I'm late for my connection. Is it okay if I get in front of you? Everybody will say yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know what I mean? But like, if you just be rude and run up mm-hmm. and don't tell mm-hmm. people that you're like five minutes from your connection, like, then I, that's on you for not communicating. I feel like they need a little flag system because it's a lot of <laughs> communicating for like five rows ahead. If you have one of a little blue flag, hey, can I? This means I've got a flight here. There needs to be some kind of system because these kind of situations are going to (laughs) maybe a whistle, maybe not a whistle on a plane. Please God, not a whistle. That that means oh, he's got a connection. He's got the honky horn out. You know, he's got a honky horn connection, and it's something that the flight attendants can hand out because they know your connections. So they're going do their final checks. They hand you a little honky horn to get you up to the ideas. And the reason it's a honky horn is that they're not good ideas at all. It's supposed to be you're supposed to be kind of punished for it because you really should be have planned your flight better like you should it, be but hey the, the delay might have been the airline's fault not your fault right what if the, it, it's the it, airline it doesn't matter you're cutting in front of people it would give me a little satisfaction if the people that were like sorry i gotta get flight had to honk a little horn it would just make me feel a little bit better about life i think it would add a little whimsy i think it would take the edge off these confrontations you know mm-hmm. i don't think so i think that would be torture like if somebody was just honking a horn I don't like I, I no, I'm on a plane. It's it's seven it's seven forty five AM. Yeah, I'm trying to just get to work. I do not want to hear a bicycle horn behind my head yeah. for any reason. Like I don't no, care what's but, wrong. But, 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 but just telling people I got a tight connection. You you I've I've you we've all witnessed this. Well, so do I. I oh, how tight is yours? And then it's this whole thing for five aisles up. We don't have time for that. The honky horn, the whistle, or <laughs> as I originally suggested, the flag. A flag. <laughs> What do you wave. do with the flag? You're behind the people. They can't see your flag. They're facing forward. Jesse. It, it, it's you, a long flag. You can hold it. <laughs> you wave it in front of them? Like a it long stick? It extends at least four it rows. It extends, yeah. Yeah. Four yeah. rows like up. A, you got a like little a flag. Oh, there's somebody behind you. Retract- oh, wave it in front of their no, face. Jesse, retractable like this a card. These are this is terrible ideas. They're, they're, not, ideas. they're not good at all. That's they're really bad. funny. They're I'm just saying, these confrontations are going to keep happening, guys, until we figure out a system, a reasonable system. And I've introduced <laughs> those systems were not the ones. That's- I will say, Southwest is. <laughs> they're asking like, for this So stuff. I've been flying Southwest a lot recently. I, I literally was on a Southwest flight last night. And it is insane thinking about the fact that, like, it is just a free for all. Um, I hate it. It's stressful. I hate it. And I love, I will say, the last two fights I've been on. Jesse, you would be so proud. I've had conversations with people on flights and it's actually been quite delightful. Got it a free is. drink out of one of the conversations. Yeah. So not too I bad. I need y'all to help me. I don't know if we have time. What is stressful about that? I don't understand what's stressful. Because it doesn't stress me at to all. Me. Here's what's stressful to me. The way I my brain works, I don't plan ahead about stuff, especially travel and all that. So uh-huh. I book my ticket and I don't think about that flight again until it's time to leave, right? And so for Southwest, the fact that you have to either pay extra to get into A or you have to like set a reminder to log you in and like check in, I forget that step. And so whenever mm. I show up, and again, I'm a person who shows up and I time it where I never break stride from the moment I leave my car. I break stride and I, I go straight from my car and I go straight onto the plane. Like I do not get there early. And so for me, that is the worst airline for me because mm. I'm always in the middle seat in the back because I'm C, you know, so but, but I here, hate but here's, but here's the other thing too that's created, I've, and I've seen this, I've been at multiple self-left flights where I've seen verbal arguments, okay? Like legit right. arguments. Where they line you up because they have like 
1 through 15, 16 through mm-hmm. 30, right. all the way back for your groups, right? Like, I'm 6, you're 12, you should be behind everyone's me. Everyone's playing, everyone's looking down at the person's print, you know, if they have a printed boarding pass or they're looking over their shoulder, see on their phone. This slice that I brought is, is the kind of conflict's going to arise when you present a system of insanity and don't offer solutions like honky horns or whistles or retractable antennas with flags on them. I'm just saying that people are taking the law into their own hands here. I guess no, nobody bothers me because I'm dressed in all black. I got my AirPods in. I got a hoodie on and I'm about 6'2". So nobody nobody ever nobody. questions me whenever I go online. No. They're not like, I don't get any of, the, of what y'all just said. That, that y'all, go yeah, ahead, so. sir. I do think the worst part is if you're in the last group because yeah. like I, I have been annoyed like... Um, I'm five eight, and so like I I need some sort of leg room, so I really For like sure. the aisle seat. And I did get stuck in a middle seat next to a woman who was maybe four foot eleven, and she had the aisle seat. And I was like, "Why? Like we should have had a conversation where like I clearly needed the aisle seat over you." But it was like it was that weird confrontation. But I was C group, so I was stuck with the middle. Just seat. do the early bird check in, so you can. You, you got to plan ahead for that stuff. No, you you literally just have to add it. You just have, when you're buying the ticket, you just add it on. Early Look, merch. I hate, I hate being nickel and dime. Like out of matter of principle, I won't pay for those extras. I just I, I can't will enjoy it. the middle seat. Exactly. That's why I don't like. It. I never. I only fly Delta. I only fly Delta. But it, with Delta, if you buy your ticket too late, guess what? Enjoy the middle seat. Nah, I have status. I get upgraded every time on Delta. I'm, I'm good. just saying, well, Southwest is causing major problems out here and stressing me out. Like even thinking okay. about this stuff. I heard back in the day that Southwest had that system because they were too cheap to buy the ticketing system that the major airlines had and they never like want to invest the millions and millions of dollars to upgrade it. That's what I heard, but I just Googled it and that's wrong. It says Southwest airlines has long argued that it's unassigned seating policy is popular with passengers and facilitates speedier boarding, which means planes spend less time at the gate and more time in the air generating them more money because they have more flights per day. So, uh, that'll never change. If it makes them more money, it's never going to change. So it don't bother me. There you go. I'm going to continue to bring this nature of slices until the madness stops. That is my thread, Southwest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What do you have, Emily? Okay. I have uh, some information about an interesting new study. Uh, First off, okay. Do you guys have like a go-to comfort food for when you're kind of feeling down? Like Cheez-Its? Okay. You mean like a snack or do you mean like, like I need Mexican or just what, like if you're like, Oh, I just really want this. Like, do you have like a go-to comfort food that you make? Like specifically when you're feeling down, like you're sad, like don't people like eat ice cream and stuff when they're sad? Like they get the pint and they put on sweatpants and watch sad movies. Sure. Some people do. Is that what you do? Are you trying to not include yourself, but sort of include yourself in that group? The last time I had ice cream, I was probably 10. I don't know. Wow. That explains a lot. That's sad. And it's and itself. that makes me want to have ice cream right now because I'm so sad for you. <laughs> My kid likes ice cream. We have plenty of it. I just know. What, anyway, no, I happy or sad. I, I love some good down and dirty fast food. There's nothing like it. No matter my mood. Yeah. No, no, you can't do happy or sad. It's your sad food. I know where she's going with this. Derek, okay. what's your sad food? <sighs> All food is my sad food. I like, I, so I just, yeah, I don't it's have quantity. Yeah, it's, well, it's not, it's whatever's not in the fridge. No, okay. it's just, I'm usually like, if I'm sad, I'm like, man, let me go get something that I like. And then it's just whatever the vibe is at the moment. You know what I'm saying? Got it. So Got I, it. I don't really have a, a specific thing. I'm with Jesse. I, I do like a good fried food. Um, I think it makes me feel better. But apparently, according to a new study, frequent consumption of fried foods, especially fried potatoes, so French fries, is linked with a higher risk of anxiety and depression and versus people who just don't eat fried food altogether. Can I ask you a question about this? Is it correlative or is it, or does the, the fried potatoes cause something? Or is it just when people are more, you know, feeling anxious and depressed, they, you know, tend to gravitate towards cheap, greasy food? You know what I mean? Like this was exactly when we saw the study, we asked the same question because it seems mm-hmm. like they're trying to say if you eat a lot of French fries, it will make you depressed. But common sense says to us, when you're depressed, you eat a lot of French fries. And so it's just like when you're surveyed, yeah, or, or, I eat a lot of French fries and I'm depressed, but you don't know which caused which. It, you know? It, yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. like there is something in my gut biome reacting to you know, fried potato or yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's what did, did they make? Did they make the determination, Emily? 
Well, no, so they do need to do further study. Um, one of the uh, experts spoke about it and said that um, there is definitely a correlation that the intake of fried food does increase the risk of anxiety and depression, but they still haven't found a correlation between it does it cause it or does it just further it? And so they are still studying that. But uh, in general, it is saying that whether it causes it or whether you already have it, fried food's probably not helping your depression anxiety. I could see that. Right. I could see that. Right. Yeah, which is sad news. Because think about it too. Like when when you eat badly, it makes you feel bad, poorly. Right. Sluggish. Right? Yep. And so then it just like it's a, it's a snowball. It's like when your physical body, mm-hmm. it doesn't have good endorphins going through it. It compounds depression and anxiety. And then the depression and anxiety makes you less motivated and you're going to eat more poorly and you're not going to mm-hmm. work out. And it's just like this right. snowball mm-hmm. effect. Right. So it's like. It really is a thing. Like I sometimes I'll look at like my diet and go, is this indicating something is bigger Mm -hmm. is going on with me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I've been eating some fast food lately. What's going on? You know, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's interesting. This study is starting to connect the two. Anyway, cool. All right. What do you have, Derek? Can anybody give me the 10 commandments real quick? I can give you a couple of them. Give me a couple of them. My favorites or, or all of them? Just, my, my personal Ten Commandments or the one that God brought down the from ones that, so not The steal. ones that came from don't Mount cover, Sinai. Don't, don't, don't cover your, covet your neighbor's wife. Uh-huh. Don't, don't steal. Don't murder. Don't, don't have steal. gods before All right. Me. Well, let's stop. Don't steal, right? Okay. So let's mm-hmm. say that you're a pastor. You teach those commandments. <laughs> How would you feel if you found out that your pastor stole $130,000 from the church to cover his gambling debts. That feels like a double sin there. Like a double rainbow? Like this is like a double so, sin. So, 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 so wait, like, you're saying it cancels cancels it out. <laughs> like a double negative. Apparently that's what Greg Neal from Rochester thought because he stole 130 bands from the church to cover his gambling debts. And I'm literally trying to figure out. First of all, I'll say this. I feel bad for a lot of pastors because this man probably couldn't really seek any help for his gambling debt or his gambling problem because, you know, being a pastor, you're not supposed to have an issue like this. So what happens is you make decisions like this and it exposes you, but in a bad way, because you're looking at 20 years in prison, uh, in a fine. So, I mean, you could, you could, you're looking at 20 is the max that you could get. So like, I wish you just would have stepped down and just said, I need to take some time because I got a problem, y'all. Uh, but he but, wasn't even the pastor. He was the executive, executive pastor. Executive pastor, right. So this is the man the guy with the who money. runs all the money. Right. Judas. Exactly. He was right. Judas. <laughs> right. It's Judas. But he's not the only person that's happened. This uh, A lady in Alabama stole 89000 from her church. And uh, Chanel Easton of Oklahoma City uh, was indicted on wire fraud and aggregate, aggregated identity theft for stealing $360,000 from a church. So looks like we need to go back over these commandments and uh, <laughs> we need a refresher is what it seems to me in modern day church. Texas is trying to put the Ten Commandments in every uh, every classroom right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need church. to put the Ten Commandments in every church right now. Maybe just we need to remind. <laughs> let's, start let's, start there. There. let's start there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. And these people are being prosecuted by the Secret Service. Like, this isn't a small matter. This is the Secret Service mm-hmm. that's after them. Yeah. Oh, because the wire I mean, fraud and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Man. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Uh, there's more. We cover the stories like this every day over at relevantmagazine.com. Go check it out. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, Judah and Chelsea Smith join us. Every morning and lead me to streams of grace 
You go before me every breath and every step I take For all of your goodness and all you've already done you listen to Neon Feather and One Common. It is the Altar Here on Earth remix. Great song. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Well, our guests today are Judah and Chelsea Smith, the Smiths co-pastor church home in Seattle and Los Angeles. And they're doing some exciting and innovative stuff these days. We sat down with them to learn more about how they're expanding what church can and should look like and how they're embracing new technology to reach a whole new group of people. Here's our conversation with our friends, Judah and Chelsea Smith. I think I would really just love to hear, you know, these last few years, like how have things been going for the church and, you know, what are maybe some new strategies that y'all have implemented in this crazy time? Oh man, it's been, it's been really interesting. You know, we had um, plans to incorporate online before the pandemic. And then, but at that point we were still fully functional as we are always had been in buildings at the same time as trying to introduce an online model. And, and that was great. Everyone was happy with that. Um, and then the pandemic really, I think forced us, but maybe to use a God word, a faith word enabled us, um, to, to, to finish that switch and really build church the way that we would build it. Mm-hmm. If it started online is instead of having a, buildings first mentality, which is what we still had. And Mm -hmm. that was a tough switch even for us to make philosophically um, in our heart to have faith that people could actually meet Jesus, be discipled, grow in their relationship with him outside of the church building. And I think the reason we struggled with that even is because we hadn't seen church like that before. We grew up in a very traditional church. We were, we were church friends, kids together. So when I say we, it really was a we. Um, and man, youth camps, my life was changed. You know, I met Jesus at, at the retreats, building every Sunday, Sunday school were really wonderful experiences for us. And so to go and pioneer a church that would look different than the way we encountered Jesus, wow. I don't think we were prepared for the faith that would even take for us. You know, the Bible talks about faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. Mm. So the faith required uh, to see what hasn't been seen. And so we just... Been been really fighting that fight of faith for ourselves and then for our community to to bring the community along that hey your children are going to encounter Jesus in a real way in a church kids party and they're going to grow with him every day at a at a bedtime story and your students are you know and and bring people along that journey when it still hasn't yet been seen has been a a fun leadership challenge <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but God's been with us every step of the way. But it's been fun as we've into gotten into this. I feel like we've incorporated really things that have been really meaningful. Um, I, oh, I probably should have got the exact stat for this for this interview. But um, but there was a, a a study that was done over ten years. Bill Hybels Church actually did it. I think the name of the book is called Moves that they published the study. I'm sure you've heard of it, or maybe not. Um, but they talked. They did the study for ten years, over 250,000 people. For how do people actually grow in their faith? Because it's such a mystery. I mean, I know even for me, if I could look back, I know there's beautiful moments. But how do we actually grow in faith? How do what actually people? And one of the results of this study was absolutely shocking, and it said that there wasn't any difference in people who experience church who go to a building to go to church four times a year or 40 times a year, their spiritual growth was actually the same, which kind of blew our mind. And we've been yeah. giving our lives to hosting weekly services, you know, like right. seven, on a, seven on a Sunday. Like, what have we been doing with our lives? Um, but the flip <laughs> side of that was that people who have a daily practice at least four days a week were the people who really showed significant growth 
strengthened our faith and enabled us to go all in and realize, no, people who spend time with Jesus every day, mm-hmm. it's how people are going to grow. And then not just when they do that by themselves, but when they do that within the context of community. You know, I'm curious, I feel like a lot of pastors probably recognize that and maybe realize that they need to somehow stop or, you know, implement different strategies in their life, but they just don't know how. So can you share, like, how did y'all recognize and start sort of implementing these boundaries and these changes in your schedule? Oh, that's such a good question. Can I just say that implicit in all of this is a, is, is a significant cost. And I think that's where a lot of this conversation begins, but it's oftentimes where it ends, if I'm really honest. And that cost is, it could be uh, reputation, uh, it could be social status, um, it could be, you know, things like attendance and giving can be greatly affected if, if, if the leader, minister, communicator, preacher, teacher needs to create more rhythm and space. And so whatever Chelsea is about to say, mm-hmm. I just hope that our reader understands, hey, it's going to cost you something. Um, but Jesus did say, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but in the process lose his own soul? And mm-hmm. I, I fear, Emily, that, that um, pieces of our soul are starting to break off and we're we're losing the wholeness and the buoyancy that I think um, God designs for every leader and and, and every person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, counting the cost is so mm-hmm. important, um, and it's different for everybody. So oh, yeah. I don't think you can always hear that. Right. You know exactly. Yeah, I'm projecting going to be, you know? completely, <laughs> but to know that there's always a cost to to boundaries and yeah. margin and. Um, people people like getting their way all the time not being told no stuff like that stuff like that yeah (laughs) but i think it has to start first of all with the theology and our view of god and our view of of jesus and realizing that as pastors we're not saviors we are facilitators and we get to tell the story of jesus and we get to lead a community and an organization but jesus is the one who does the saving he's the one who does the heavy lifting and and if we really, as as leaders, really, really, truly embrace that, then saying no and creating that margin is not easy, but it's easier. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first step. You know, and the other thought is Hebrews talks about we have to labor to enter into rest, that it is it is work wow. to gain rest. So often it feels counterintuitive. It's like it costs, it, it takes too much work to rest. So why don't I just keep doing the work and then, you know, rest when I retire or rest later. But love Hebrews is there is a promise for us Mm. and that promise is is rest and it doesn't mean we don't work but we work from a place of peace from a lack of striving knowing that Jesus has already done the big part he's done the heavy lifting and so we just get to be facilitators and do what he asks us to do I know it's not very practical answer but I count the cost going to be people who want to stick to the tradition that they've always known um, and they're just really, really sort of hesitant to it. And I feel like I've seen studies that particularly it is sort of a generational thing. Older generations are much more accustomed to what they know and younger generations are willing to embrace that change. And I'm curious, do you think that's going to have an impact on the future of church? This like sort of generational divide in a way. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? I mean, first of all, yeah, as we said earlier, completely understand people who want um, to do church in a traditional way. And we'd say, keep doing that. Just let us do it the way we want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, honestly. Like, honestly um, you know, I, the, I think one of the beauties of the church is in bringing generations together. You know, and Titus talked about that, you know, specifically the women. Hey, older women, teach the younger women. And so I... It, we are not giving up on that idea. I think there's a part of us that will fight for a multi-generational church mm-hmm. um, because there is beauty and 
young people need to learn from old people. Old people need to learn from young people. But God put us in families for a reason, and families are multi-generational. And so we really would love to continue to see that happen and grow. Um, we have faith for it. Don't necessarily... And, and I mean, even like Judas, it's interesting though. Older people who've been in the church who are of an older generation very much want their tradition. But there's hundreds and thousands and millions upon millions of people in this country and all over the world who are of an older generation who have not had a church experience, who don't have preconceived ideas for what they expect church to be. And they can just, you know, just come to church home and do a daily guided prayer, weekly service with friends and just come to the community without any of that traditional expectation. And even like Judah's friends, they're, they're doing great with it. So, so Maybe we'll get the multi-generational beauty and strength that way. And and I definitely, I'll just add this. I I definitely think the prophecy is true. That part of the phenomenon that will happen in church is that old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions, which means Mm -hmm. uh, this phenomenon will happen within the church. and And it has happened and it will continue to happen. And that is you get old people dreaming again. Uh, life has a way of driving out the dreaming. But, you know, as you get older, you, you dream less. But there's this phenomenon that happens in the spiritual community called the church where old people want to dream again. And then young people, mm-hmm. what are they prone to? Well, they're prone to just living in the moment, just living for the moment and not seeing past the moment and not seeing visions of the future and what's possible. So I think the phenomenon that happens when Jesus is central and Jesus is the focal point is you get old people dreaming again. And you get young people living past the moment, living past the weekend, and they start seeing visions of what could be possible with the duration of their stay here on earth. And I think you have something very, very special in your hands. Uh, each successive generation has a responsibility to the text, a responsibility to the book, a responsibility to the story. And, and what, what each successive generation does with the greatest story ever told, which is the story of Jesus, is very interesting. Uh, I predict mm-hmm. that our generation um, we'll tell the story in so many different forms, maybe more than any generation before us. We're already um, the metaphor, uh, the illustrations, uh, the, the, the the movies that are coming out, the, the shows that are coming out. And, and Chelsea and I are part of that as well. We, we want to get involved more in productions and movies and shows and um, to help tell the story, in some cases in a sneaky way, where people don't even know that they're hearing the story of redemption and forgiveness. Uh, which uh, is almost exclusively the story uh, of Jesus. So it's exciting, but but are there hurdles? There, there always is with, with each successive yeah. generation. Yeah, and there's one other thing I have to say before we move on. Yes. And that, that is that one of the most significant groups of people in church home to Jude and I is a group of about a dozen men and women who are now probably mostly in their 70s, 80s. I think there's one group maybe still in their 60s mm-hmm. um, who who pray for us every week, every every time we gather together. We're on a text chain with them. My dad was in the hospital with COVID. I immediately text them and get prayers in return. And um, I, I I love the beauty and the strength oh, and the man. significance that that group of people adds. And so that I am grateful that we are a part of a church that has a multi generational heritage and really really amazed at the the people who are a little bit older who have stuck along for the ride with us and who have really responded in a spiritual way and this group of a dozen people are just i mean they're 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 jesus with skin on for sure they have so much value and weight to the church truly That was Judah and Chelsea Smith. If you haven't checked out Church Home, the app, it's pretty great. Just go check it out and follow them on IG. Uh, Chelsea always does their Marriage Monday stuff, which is really cool. And Judah's feed is full of uh, preaching clips. So (laughs) it's a great way to cleanse the timeline, you know. Uh, Good follows. All right. Stay tuned up next. It's our game, Roadside Attraction.
You're listening to Generationals. The song is Waking Moment. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Okay, it's time for Roadside Attractions. Here's how, here's what we're going to do. This will be a quick game. Uh, I'm going to tell you, we were talking about uh, road trips and stuff on the last podcast, and the guy was thinking about roadside attractions. Po- you know, people are going to road trip. It's getting to be summertime, and you're making your summer road trip plans. So we are going to quiz our cast on their knowledge of iconic roadside attractions. I'm going to tell you an actual roadside attraction, a real business that exists, and you're going to tell me what state you think it's located in. All right? And if you if you if you're totally stumped, I'll give you I'll whittle it down to three options, but just go ahead and try and guess. Here we go. We'll start with you, Derek. Uh, whoever gets the most right wins the game. Okay. The Hammer Museum, Derek. What state do you think the Hammer Museum is located in? Now, is this the artist or the tool? That's what I was going to say, California. You're going to say California? No, Alaska. So if you're ever road tripping up to Alaska, you can stop into the Hammer Museum. And it's like actually like the tools. It's hammer. just and, and, and a you know, bunch of different hammers. We know yeah. there's a sign on all of the displays. Mm-hmm. Can't touch this. Please don't. Yeah. It's the hammer. Please don't. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. Please hammer. Don't hurt him. All right, Jesse, you're up. The Rainbow Rock Shop. Where? Do, what state do you think the Rainbow Rock Shop is in? That sounds like something in like uh, uh, Sedona to me, like in, in Arizona. I'm going to say Arizona. It is Arizona. It is Arizona. How it sounds like that? something, something you know, those 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 crystal hippies out there. You know, good for <laughs> wow. them. Good, good, good job. Good job. All right, Emily, you're up. The Pez Visitor Center, the Pez Candy Pez Visitor Center. Where's that located? I think, where would Pez be? That feels. That feels kind of Midwest to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll go Iowa, Connecticut. It's real big in the Northeast. Pez. Ooh, interesting. Actually, I knew this. There's a Pez documentary on Netflix about a guy <laughs> who would fly over to Europe to get like contraband Pez from the European plant, and he would smuggle them back into the U.S. and sell them to collectors. And the Pez headquarters is in Connecticut. Or the Pez U.S. headquarters is in Connecticut because they were trying to sue the guy. That's not real. Interesting. It is very real. That's not real. The dude made like half a million dollars selling selling black market Pez. Absolutely. Yeah, they the Pez U.S. won ultimately won, but yeah, big Pez. Connecticut man, big Big Pez Pez coming out the man. (laughs) All right, Derek, you're up. Monkey Island. Where's that? Where's Monkey Island? What? Uh, monkey island it's an actual (laughs) island full of monkeys where is it in the united states correct what state do you think would (laughs) to happen it's got a florida it is it's just outside of tampa it's just outside of tampa be florida like there's no other place in the u.s i told emily about this i was like i was like I got to ask somebody other than Jesse because Jesse and I have been talking about Monkey Island for about 15 years. Yeah. So y'all because, have an island full dude, of monkeys, bro? It's like a sanctuary, like a, like a you know, preserve to rehabilitate monkeys. But like it hits the news every few years that the monkeys found a way to jump over the river and, and they start roaming around Tampa. Can, can I be honest with you? The it's fact definitely that, Florida. The fact Guys, that the Florida footnote is. to this, the footnote to this story is Florida has a monkey rehab center. It's also pretty interesting. In the <laughs> All right, Jesse, you're up. Doll's Head Trail. Where is that? Doll's Head Trail? Yes. Okay. Doll's Head Trail sounds like something that'd be like in the Pacific Northwest. Something, I'd say Washington State. Georgia. Georgia has doll's heads. Uh, Emily, you're up. The Leaning Tower of Niles. It's a miniature replica of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but it's in Niles. Where is that? I'm trying to think who would have that. Uh, it's just a roadside attraction. I'll, you know, I'll give that one to Oklahoma. It's Illinois. You're not too far off. You're so you're heading through okay. the middle of the country. All right, Derek, you're up right now. Jesse's the only one who scored, so it's one. No, he's this is not. the final round. Wait, no, no. Derek, Derek got, got Florida. Island. Derek got Florida. No, I'm so not. sorry. All right, all right. This is the final round. It's tied one-one. This one is worth two points each. 
So it's anybody's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek, you're up. The world's biggest ball of paint. World's biggest ball of paint. I How is know, that even a thing? I didn't know paint. Like, are you saying like a paint ball or is this dried Maybe it's paint? like, the, you know how dried paint, like it turns into like a skin and maybe yeah. they started rolling yeah. that up and sure. then they just kept adding. Ohio. It's big. You're close. It's Indiana. You're close. Same thing. Yeah. Same right. difference. Jesse, the future birthplace of Captain Kirk. The future birthplace of Captain Kirk. <laughs> so that's a very, that, that's got to be a state with like a low bar for notable things. I'm going to say like a Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> Iowa. It's in Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> it's my logical sound. All right, Emily, if you get this, you can win. Here we go. The world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things. I'm going to say it again. The, this is a, the name of the business. This is on the sign. The world's largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things. What state does that business exist in? Gotta be the Midwest. Correct. Uh... Kansas? Kansas. Emily wins. That's crazy. This is not Good. real. Are you serious? Good job, Emily. It is a real business with a real sign. Wait, say it one more time. The say world's time. largest collection of the world's smallest versions of the world's largest things. There you go. Congrats. Okay, so congrats. Hey, congrats. We got we to go to Kansas <laughs> to see this for ourselves. Congrats. All right, congrats, Emily, for winning. Roadside attractions. Hey, before we wrap things up, uh, you know, I, I've been telling you about it every podcast. Go read it. The spring edition of Relevant is out now. The digital edition is available for free. Just click on the magazine tab right there at relevantmagazine.com. Also, check out all the great stuff that comes with Relevant Plus, the best way to experience our content. Plans start as low as just $250 a month. If you like to uh, support independent media and don't like advertising, you can remove all the advertising. Just got to help us pay for it. There you go. <laughs> go check that out. You can find out all the info at the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Also, um, make sure to follow us on all the socials. And if you like this podcast, if you're still listening right now, tell people about it. Wherever you get the show, rate it, uh, review it, share clips, post it on your stories. It helps get word out, helps the algorithm. And uh, we enjoy seeing the feedback as well. All right. On that note, we will wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. Millie Brown. And I'm Derek Miner. All right, we'll see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. This barbershop had a bowl of candy right on the counter. I got distracted. Relevant Podcast Network.